And today we're going to be discussing what is vertical farming. I think Connor's going to kick us off. So uh, vertical farming is kind of self-explanatory. Instead of going out in traditional farming, uh, busy grow crops on top of each other uh, vertically. And is this um, inside, outside? So it kind of comes under the wider agricultural um, sector of controlled environment agriculture. So. Um, the only way to do that is inside. Okay. Oh, because you're like closing the loop in terms of waste, I suppose. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a closed system. So, um, you know, the great benefits that you can optimise every single part of it. Where in, you know, traditional agriculture, you're kind of at, at the beck and call of nature um, and the seasons. Whereas in, in a vertical farm, it, it's it's inside. It's, it's a closed environment. You can okay. control everything. And, you know, obviously with horizontal farming I want to say <laughs> you're growing things in soil what it, what would you do in a typical vertical farm so yeah um, yeah the most common kind of uh, growth methods now in vertical farming is are hydroponics so they're really commonly used continually being improved and optimized uh, aeroponics is another um, type of um, growth system that's being developed it's actually kind of pioneered by NASA who you know, were trying to optimize the amount of growth they could get for a certain amount of water so you know you can use one percent the amount of water than in traditional agriculture using uh, aeroponics as well so hydroponics is growing something in like a solution a water solution whereas aeroponics is it's kind of so um not that dissimilar but where instead of the roots being continually submerged in the, in the nutrients uh they're they're spread so they're kept moist um, and, and the systems it's kind of enclosed so you know the water's recycled back down in okay. and the and from that really there's a you're getting more production of crops as well in terms of the leaf because you need less uh, of a root structure to um, absorb nutrients from traditional soils so you don't have the as big a uh, tap roots and associated root network but there's another thing uh, which is kind of linked into this too which is aquaponics so rather than in the hydroponics which and aeroponics that have been mentioned and are the main forms um, that uh, in aquaponics you actually use fish feed to uh, as a lower cost uh, source of nutrients to feed fish and then the fish in turn produce waste, which is broken down by bacteria, which finally feed the uh, feed the plants the nutrients that they need. So that's a lower cost um, alternative, um, which is suitable for some for some for some implementations of this vertical farming. So that's, I guess, for some specific crops you can do that with because they get enough nutrients from the f- processed fish waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're doing this inside, where are we getting the light for the crops from? I'm imagining like a sliding roof or a... Yeah, so um, kind of a mixture. So, you know, uh, LEDs are probably the most common and a lot of vertical farms are like repurposed buildings. So there's no sunlight. Um, a lot of the, the, the light comes from LEDs uh, where you can, um, 
you know, target uh, specific, you know, use specific wavelengths of light to target the crop crop growth. Uh, um, and so, where solar is kind of, you know, not, not used as commonly. So why is that? Isn't you? So you can use specific wavelengths of light on a, on a specific crop? Yeah, so um, the chlorophyll, which plants need for photosynthesis, mainly chlorophyll A would be the most common, but also chlorophyll B, they'll have a particular um, absorption spectrum. So uh, since they're green, they're reflecting that green, those green wavelengths of light uh, back, but they're absorbing the, the red and blue wavelengths. So they're using that to photosynthesize. And by using these the LEDs of suitable wavelengths, then you're able to maximize the amount of energy you use for producing light energy and maximizing photo photosynthesis in the in the plants, and you can tailor the uh, the light balance to certain um, whether it's growth of the of the main leaves of the plant, and in some cases also for fruit for fruit and other compounds within the plants as well. Yeah, another cool thing on that is is the ability to tailor the light recipe to the specific plant and, and the output you want so um, a lot of the vertical farms that are popping up now are, are partnered with like restaurants and, and chefs and things and where the chefs actually requesting to have a certain taste so um, say you want your rocket to be really peppery you know you can actually adjust the light recipe to you know to strain the plant and at certain times of its growth to give you that like final taste uh, or if it's uh tomato you can like try and create the most amount of vitamin c you can through through the light recipe so it's really really some of the stuff that you can do with the leds are really really cool and then plus because you're using this artificial light you're not restricted to the seasons that you would have in the north and southern hemispheres so you can have all year round production of whatever crops you want to have and you're a more consistent crop as well so would it not make sense to potentially use so like light from the sun for some parts of the day to reduce the cost of you know this because I can imagine having I can't even imagine how many LEDs you would need to be able to illuminate an entire vertical farm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to put some say perspective on kind of the cost uh, of uh, the vertical farm, so. Uh, so say the spread company who are one of the leading um, vertical farm companies and ever based in Japan um, although they haven't disclosed the cost of a lettuce um, which is one of their most common crops uh, it's predicted to be around 80 Japanese yen which is they're selling on for just under 200 Japanese yen and when you compare that um, to a normal priced uh, lettuce being sold in the same market it's about 20 to 30 percent more expensive so i think um most farms vertical farm business cases that's one of the most difficult things that they find is you know reducing the the uh cost running cost of using that electricity and the more solar that you can integrate in into that process the more cost effective it will be because the leds are surprisingly still not as efficient as i certainly thought they would be, um, because if you're looking for the, if you see these vertical farms are bathed in a nice uh, purple, 
light, which is pretty cool, but the efficiency of the LED bulbs is in, normally in the order of 25 to 28%. So it's still some improvements to that will make a big difference to reduce those costs down. So it's, even though, you know, it may cost more in terms of using the LEDs, but can you produce more crops from a smaller area using this vertical farming uh, method? Yeah, so well, let's go back to um, to the same spread company because uh, I think Japan are, are really fantastic um, uh, in, in this area. So um, the new farm that they're developing um, so predicted is predicted to uh, yield 648 heads of lettuce per square metre annually. And when you compare that to only five in an outdoor farm. That's that, incredible. That's a massive difference. Yeah, that gives yeah. you an idea of the magnitude of difference that you can use within, within, uh, in a, with a vertical farm. And I guess that has the potential to almost secure the food supply. I don't know, with the population growing and, you know, with seasons being very variable in terms of the weather. Yeah. yeah, so you like look at two big macro trends across the planet, urbanisation and climate change. You know, in 2050, you know, the, the, the number of people that are projected to be living inside cities with a higher population and, you know, if climate change keeps affecting the built environment the way it has done, uh, vertical farming is perfectly placed to, you know, to give you that kind of consistent supply of fresh produce. Mm. I guess one of the things then is the well, just improvements in technology to help it along, kind of thing, and lower the cost even further. Um, so, just as like a last kind of question to wrap things up, do you think vertical farming is the future of farming? For sure. So, I, I yeah, I asked this question to um, Kit Franklin, who was uh, one of the head. Uh, developers for Hands Free Hectare. It was uh, an autonomous uh, farming project for precision farming. And uh, yeah, he, he came back and said it, it ha- it's extremely important and will have a place in uh, the wide food um, supply of, of, of the population. It still has a way to go before it's going to um, replace, if ever, stable crops like wheat corn, uh, barley, maize, um, but for all the other benefits, um, I, yeah, I think for sure it's, it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something still also like uh, potatoes and other root-based vegetables, there's a fair, you know, they might not, may not be suitable for this kind of farming, but um, that's something for, so the, what something kind for of, the future. So what kind of plants are currently suitable for this type of farming? You've mentioned lettuce and tomatoes, uh, what other types? So all plants essentially can be grown okay. in a vertical farm. Like it doesn't discriminate uh, and uh, you can do it. Now the business case for each plant varies, which is where you know you might say you can't do it. Okay. Um, but uh, technically it's feasible, okay. uh, just maybe not economically. Fantastic. Okay, well thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Andor Technology Podcast. Andor is an Oxford Instruments business, specialising in the design and manufacture of market-leading imaging and spectroscopy solutions for the scientific research market. For more information on our products and services, please visit andor.com.